Hello, and welcome back to the Nourish with Purpose podcast. I hope you're having a great Wednesday or whenever you're listening to this episode. This is my favorite time of the week, and I love when I get to get on here and talk to you. Today, we're talking about getting inspired, so trying new recipes, finding motivation to cook, and how I became so passionate about spending time in the kitchen. I have not always felt that way. I know if you follow me on social media, you probably see a lot of recipes that I post. I used to dread cooking, and it was not something I loved to do. It was maybe I love to bake, but I definitely didn't love to cook meals. So I am so excited to talk to you about that topic today because it's something that I would say it's more of like a newfound passion for. Not something I've always loved to do, but something that I've grown to love to do. So if you are someone that says you hate to cook and that you maybe live by yourself and you're cooking for one, trust me, I know that is not always the most enjoyable and it's hard to find motivation to cook for one person but I think we can really work on that mindset and uh, we'll, we're just going to dive into all of that here in a little bit but I want to catch up with you first there's a couple reasons why this topic came to mind the first one is because I literally have no kitchen right now we have makeshifted our dining room to have our fridge We have our microwave and I have a little kind of prep station along with our kitchen table, but we are remodeling our kitchen and uh, I am so excited for it. I have a Pinterest board and I've just been dreaming of what this kitchen is going to look like. So for that to finally be in action is so exciting. When we moved into our house, if you're new here, we moved into a 1920s. I mean, our house is over 100 years old. I know that farmhouse and the kitchen was fine at first we were like well we'll just paint the cabinets and then that turned into my parents kind of being like you can see like there's a lot of wear and tear on these cabinets there was a lot of water damage the previous owners had their washer and dryer upstairs which then led to water damage and we had mold in our kitchen and so it was just it needed to be judged up a little. So we kind of changed our plans. We started to then budget for, you know, remodeling the whole kitchen. So we tore out all of those cabinets this week and we actually saw that the cabinets had been made in 1966, which really isn't that, I mean, okay, it's, it was a while ago, but I just think in my mind, like that doesn't seem like that long ago, but, um, they're, they've just had seen some love. And so when we were tearing out the cabinets, we actually found this recipe and it was Lena's relish recipe. And what's really cool is that our close, our house is close to, we have some neighbors and they're the guy living in that home used to live in the house we live in now. And so his daughter actually follows me on Instagram and she has been able to give me some history on our house just because she grew up going there because her grandparents lived there. And she was like, oh, Aunt Lena was her grandma's sister, I believe. And uh, it was just really interesting because I had posted it on my Instagram story and she had commented that back. And it's just fun to hear the history of your home. And I love things like that. Like I love a lived-in house. 
I have always dreamt of living in a house that is 100, you know, 100 years old. I love that character. That's something I, I never have wanted a new build. I don't want a new house. I love my house how it is. And I'm really excited to have that kitchen redone because we're doing the cupboards the same color as the woodwork in our main living space, like our dining room and our living room. The owners had painted that woodwork a creamy white. Usually I'd be like, why would you paint woodwork? But it actually looks pretty nice. They did a really good job with it. And I just love that color. So we are using that for our cabinets and then we'll do all new flooring, countertops. We're gonna get a pantry that'll be built in. It's just going to look so good. And I know it's gonna be a process, especially because we are actually moving our home on like further back on our property. And so some things like doing the countertop and the backsplash should probably wait until we actually move the house just in case anything would shift. So it's going to be a journey of living in a little bit of a mess for I would say the next six to seven months. But for the most part, our kitchen should be done. Our cabinets will be delivered on December 13th. And then a lot of that work will be done other than again, we'll just need to do flooring and backsplash and countertops, which we're still kind of determining what we wanna do with that. If we want to wait until we move the house, if we just wanna get it done, we'll kind of talk to the people doing construction and see what the best route with that would be. But it's just really fun. And I guess that's kind of, again, why I wanted to do this episode because I personally don't have a kitchen right now. So I have made it work living in a partial kitchen where you've got an air fryer and a microwave and a fridge. And uh, so I think I think it'll offer a unique perspective now that I maybe don't have all of those tools accessible. I've le- had to learn how to cook and prepare food in a different way. I will tell you the crock pot should be your best friend. This is the era of the crock pot and I know it's nothing revolutionary, But I, for so long, thought that everything needed to be an ordeal. Like, let's say, for example, yesterday for supper, I plugged in the crock pot and I did two cups of rice with like three carrots diced up, um, half an onion, some tomato paste and bone broth. And then I did like salt, pepper, garlic powder. And I just let that simmer in the air fryer or not in the air fryer. Oh, my gosh. In the crock pot for, I don't know, four hours. And it was a delicious supper. Like there was nothing significant about it, but it tasted really good. It had everything we needed. I also added some chicken in with it. Like it had everything we needed. If you want to roast a chicken, um, that seemed extremely intimidating to me at first until we actually started raising and butchering our own chickens. And then we had a little bit of a surplus. And so I was like, well, I need to learn how to prepare this. So we don't have an oven, so I do it in the crock pot. Like I know, again, it's not revolutionary, but it makes your life so much easier. So if you are not a crock pot person, that is something I'm going to encourage you to get into. When we got that for a wedding gift, I'm like, okay, I'll use this to make chili maybe. And now I thank the person that gave us the crock pot, at least, you know, I mean, not as much as I should because I use it every single week, but I just messaged him yesterday. I'm like, the crock pot is the best gift you gave us. Like we use that thing multiple times a week. It at first I didn't maybe appreciate it as much as I should have, but now I'm obsessed with it. So thank you. And it's true. Like it is just so easy. Anyway, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but with that, it's just 
There are so many ways that you can make cooking not a big ordeal or you can make high quality food for your family that doesn't take hours. And so I hope that that kind of gets portrayed to you in this episode as well. I also just released my anti-inflammatory recipe guide as a hard copy. And this is something I'm really, really proud of myself for. I usually am not one to celebrate accomplishments. Like I'm like, put your head down, work harder and do something bigger and better next. That's just how I'm wired. And I'm learning that if I'm not grateful for the success that I have, then what would inhibit more success? You know, like if it's kind of like, if you don't pray and give thanks to God for the good things he's given you, like why would good things keep coming your way? Cause you're not even appreciating what you have. And so I feel that is so much that way with business is I'm always like, okay, I've got to get better. I've got to grow. I've got to be da, 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 like get faster, like grow faster, whatever the case is. But I ordered 41 copies of my recipe guide and they were all sold out within 36 hours. And that is something that I was either like, okay, I'm going to order these recipe guides. Nobody's going to be interested and I'll be stuck with maybe 35 of them, right? Like, okay, maybe I'll sell six. But to have 41 sell and then also have people now saying, oh my gosh, I didn't even know you were selling these. I would totally buy one on your next order. So I don't know when I'm placing another order. If you did not get one and you're interested, please let me know because that's going to determine if I order more or how many more that I order. Because the more you order of the recipe guides, the less they are per recipe guide. So kind of having a number gauge is helpful. But with that happening this last week, I was like, okay, I need to talk about how I utilize guides and recipe books and how I really created those recipes specifically to be easy to all be able to be made under 20 minutes, most of them. Um, And so... I was just feeling like, yes, this is the week I need to talk about food and making food because I hear so many people say that they just, I don't know, that they don't like to cook. Or I also had somebody like look through the recipe guide and they're like, how do you eat like this? Like, what do you make for your husband? And maybe I've just been blessed with a husband that is not picky about what he eats, But I really feel like as you shift towards making higher quality food and you cut that crap out of your diet, you start to realize it's actually a lot easier to cook with whole foods, minimally processed foods, because you're not having to, I don't know, season them as much. You're not having to add as much sugar. It just honestly has become so much easier to be able to This is going to be a really stupid example, but even like a bag of carrots. Okay, if you would have asked me five years ago, like, what am I going to use a bag of like full carrots for? I would have said, I have absolutely no idea. But now that I, I look at a recipe as, okay, how many, how many nutrients can I pack into this recipe? When I view it like that, I'm like, okay, that means I'm going to utilize these carrots and put them in my stir fries. I'm going to put them in my fried rice or not really fried, but my the recipes in the recipe guide but um how can i put this into a soup how can i make a salad with these and ribbon them or how can i like i know it's kind of a funny example because i'm talking about carrots but at the same time it challenges you to get creative and you no longer see a bag of carrots as like oh i'm either gonna have to eat these carrots whole or they're gonna mold in my fridge 
No, like let's think of how many recipes we can sneak them into and give your body more nutrients to make you feel better, less bloated, right? It's become way easier to cook. And I know that is a process and that's why I work with clients one-on-one to make that process easier. If you got the recipe guide and you're looking through it and you're like, I don't know how anybody eats like this. And I personally do not think it's that way. I think if you have even a slight ability to eat a variety of foods, right? If you're not somebody that's super picky or refuse to eat certain groups of food, it's not that hard to make these recipes. And I don't want them to sound intimidating in any way. But I think the more that you utilize what God has given us, you utilize those fresh herbs, the spices, the whole foods that come from the earth, the raw honey, the natural peanut butter, like all of these foods that are coming from really what has been given to us without the need for factories to mass produce all of this crap that most people are probably eating, it becomes way easier. And I really hope that you start to realize that as well. And and I that's, again, why I work with people one-on-one because I know it's intimidating and it can feel very overwhelming. And it's not, I'm not saying that because I lack empathy for people that still maybe struggle to eat healthier because I totally get it. I know that it is not as easy as I might make it sound or make it seem because this has been a I'm going to say this again, it's been a three to five year journey for me to finally feel physically as good as I do today. So you can't expect all these changes to happen overnight. I work with clients for four to six months. You can't expect all of these changes to happen in four to six months. But after that time, you have to take some responsibility to independently navigate what you want this journey to look like for you. And when you do that and you take responsibility and accountability for, okay, I'm not fueling my body very well, how can I improve? Then you're going to notice a difference in how you feel, right? I'm so passionate about food because it is that one piece that for so long I thought I could neglect until I realized that was the missing piece. And it was something I cannot neglect because if I'm not feeling my body properly, I'm not going to notice any results or any improvements when I go to the gym. I'm not going to feel stronger. I'm not even going to have motivation to go to the gym because I'm in so much pain that I don't even want to get out of bed. Or maybe I want to get out of bed and move my body, but my joints hurt. So what am I supposed to do? It's like, okay, well, how you feel your body actually helps prevent all of those aches and pains or if you're chronically bloated or if you have no energy let's look at how you're eating because that is probably the piece of the puzzle that you're neglecting and i'm going to encourage you before the new year comes because i absolutely despise new year's resolutions you need to start the week before the new year Okay, I know that might fall around Christmas time. Enjoy your Christmas, eat all those traditional foods, not saying to deprive yourself of anything, nor would I ever, but take that week before to set yourself up for success and already have a head start on what changes you want to see in 2024. Because New Year's resolutions, I'm sorry, we're not doing them this year. I'm not doing them this year. I need to speak for myself. I'm not doing them this year. I'm setting goals entering December. And then we're going to look forward. But the new year can come with so much pressure to make all of these changes. So I'm encouraging you to 
make those changes before the new year so you don't fall victim to, okay, it's January 2nd. I've lost all my motivation. I It's not as easy as I thought it would. I'll just start again in 2025. Like that's not an option. And when you start to see your health as a continuous journey rather than a quick fix or a plan and then that plan ends and then you fall off the train and then you have to get back on. And that's something I actually talked to a client about this week is we talked about Thanksgiving and how you come back from Thanksgiving and she said, well, I kind of fell off and now I'm I, Monday's here and I really tried to get back on track. And I kind of asked like, okay, so I know that this plan is different, right? Because we view health as a continuous journey, but that verbiage aligns with that it was a start and stops type of plan. But what would your mind or how would your mindset change if you viewed it as a continuous journey rather than, okay, I fell off the train. I have to get back on the train on Monday and then we'll see how this next weekend goes. I'll probably fall off. And this is not her example, but I'm thinking ahead like, okay, you fall off the train on the weekend, then you get back on the track on Monday, and then you just get into that routine and you're not noticing any changes in your health because that routine and how you spend your weekends is contributing to how you feel. So let's view your health as a continuous journey. So we want to improve your health span. Your health span is how long you're able to live while still feeling physically really, really good. Your lifespan is how long you actually live, right? Your life or your health span is how long you live feeling physically really, really good, mentally really, really good, spiritually really, really good. Like I, I always say people will come to me and say, well, what if I eat this food and I just eat like crap? It's not going to kill me, right? Or eating the red dye in my Skittles once a day or drinking that Diet Coke in the afternoon once a day, it's not going to kill me. And, and you're right, like that Diet Coke in itself is not going to be what kills you probably, but it's going to be what deteriorates your health span. It's what makes you feel sick a lot earlier in your life than aging gracefully and gra- aging in a way that you still feel good at 86 and you're still able to, I mean, I think of my grandpa, tend to cattle and work on the farm at 86 years old. Like, not that he always feels 100%, you know, as you age, your muscles kind of deteriorate, your bone structure starts to just not be as strong, right? Osteoporosis is what you see in a lot of older individuals. But it's like, I want to be able to have that at that age. Or I look at my grandma and she's in the kitchen on her feet. She comes to exercise classes that I teach and she's the oldest one there. And I find that so inspiring. She also has probably the most perfect attendance out of anyone that comes to exercise class as well, right? And it's like, okay, but look at that. Like she's the oldest one there and she's there more than other people. And that's not a judgment, right? I know as we're younger, maybe your schedules with kids and everything feels a little bit more chaotic, but at the same time, she's getting so much stronger by being there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's amazing. So let's focus on increasing our health span. Again, maybe she doesn't feel 100% all the time, but at her age to be able to still be exercising and building strength with dumbbells and equipment and doing squats and lunges and bicep curls, like how stinking cool is that? Like, I think that is the coolest thing. And so again, we're coming back to your health span. And that's why, again, I probably, I just went on a 10 minute tangent about this, 
But I just hear so much around the holidays how everybody feels like crap. I mean, and you think about it, you go to a family gathering, a lot of people are going to be talking about their health and how it's deteriorating and how they don't feel good. And I totally understand that because I work with women almost every single day of the week to go through those struggles and improve how they feel. I have a lot of empathy for people that don't feel good. Okay, so this doesn't come from a place of judgment or criticism, but when we socialize, a lot of people want to talk about their health and how they feel like crap. And again, I'll say it for the last time, the piece of the puzzle that is missing is probably nutrition and how you're fueling your body or the lack of food that you're fueling your body with. If you're not eating because you never feel good, that's a problem in itself. So then we need to find foods that do make you feel good and identify the root cause of why you don't. So all that to say, my golly, I am so sorry, but I just really needed to talk about that because I feel like that's all that I've been surrounded with for the past, I don't know, few weeks is just how horrible everyone feels. So I just want to be the person that encourages you, motivates you to make some changes because the new year's coming and you need to set yourself up for success before that time comes. All right. I will get off of my soapbox, um, but let's get into the segment of how I'm nourishing my mind, body, and spirit. How I'm nourishing my mind. I have been planning for the week versus just planning for one day. I would say this is more specifically with even like creating content. Um, There's a couple brands that I work with to make like recipe videos for. And so I know like when those deadlines are coming, I need to have those in my calendar and be looking at my week in a whole rather than just focusing on day to day. Because like if I'm making a sourdough recipe and it needs to be up by a certain date, I need to make sure that I'm prepping that two days before that recipe video goes live. And so that has made me feel so much less overwhelmed with what I need to do week to week. Same with looking at client calls. I know already coming into next week, because I've already laid it out, on Tuesday I have six calls back to back to back. And if I just entered next week, with like, oh, well, I wonder what's happening this week and had no idea that my Tuesday was absolutely packed, I would be way more overwhelmed entering that week. So it's like planning for this week, but honestly, even looking ahead towards the next week has been really helpful for me. How I'm nourishing my body is I, you guys know I've been doing lymphatic drainage, but I also started doing gua sha, which is a form of lymphatic drainage with your face. And so I got mine from Primally Pure. It's like a little marble or maybe stone gua sha is what they call it, but it has little groves. So you can go like kind of underneath your eyes, kind of by your cheekbones, and then you go to your chin and down your neck, which again stimulates lymphatic drainage. And I really have been enjoying that. I put on an oil, the primally pure, um, what is it called? Like a firming oil. And then I do that on top of that. So it moves a little bit easier on my skin. How I'm nourishing my spirit is honestly listening to Christmas worship music. On our way to church, we did that on Sunday, but really just anytime, it just brings me so much joy. I love Christmas so much. Every time it comes, I never want it to leave. I just love how warm everything is, how you see like the Christmas trees lights are lit 
and you've got ornaments on the tree and you're making cookies or your house just feels warm and inviting and people just seem really happy around this time of year and I know that the holidays aren't a joyful or a joy-filled time for everyone but I would say for the most part I feel like people are just in a really good mood and and I would say that probably is because they get some time off of work we also get a lot more time with our family and honestly just relaxing and doing activities that probably connect you to your childhood and I feel like that's kind of what Christmas music is for me I just I love it it gets me in a good mood and so that's what I've been enjoying recently what do you say should we get into the bulk of today's episode after I've just rambled for 24 minutes I apologize I'm just here to you know light a little fire sometimes and And I know, you know, I never come from a place of judgment. I just want to motivate and encourage you. So that's just really what that all was intended to do. But let's talk about how you can get inspired, especially in the kitchen. I'm going to talk and start with my own story because my relationship with food has not always been positive. I would say for a long time, it was fueled in fear fear of gaining weight, fear of calories, fear of eating too much, fear of people watching me eat, fear of people catching me snacking when maybe it was in between meals and I felt like they would judge me. There had been, there's been many instances in my life where my relationship with food has not always been one where I entered the kitchen and felt excited, right? Usually it was backed in, well, how many, how many, how few calories can I pack into this meal? Because I need to eat as few calories as possible because I've always felt like I was in a state of wanting to lose weight. It was never like, oh, I need to fuel my body so I feel good and have energy. It was more so I need to eat less so I eat less calories and lose more weight. And that was kind of the extent of it. I didn't really eat bread, like starchy carbs. I avoided breads, pastas, And that was just really how I would say for especially like six months of my life, I was very strict on that. And I just thought the second I would eat a piece of bread, I would get bloated and gain weight. And that wasn't really the case. It was more so the quality of the bread I was consuming. But what really got me into cooking was sourdough. And I know some people will be like, I'm never going to do sourdough. It's way too much work. Hear me out. This does not need to be sourdough for you, but for me, that's what it was. And the reason it was sourdough is because I learned how much that quality matters when it comes to properly digesting food and feeling your body in a way that makes you feel good, right? That was really big for me because it was no longer like, okay, I need to eat as little as possible to feel good about myself and how I look, but I need to eat more of the high quality food so I can fuel my body in a way that gives me energy and actually makes me see muscle tone because my muscles are properly recovering and getting the nutrients they need to replenish, right? Those are things that I just didn't understand and I didn't know really was possible. It was always just the mentality of eat less, you'll look better. And again, I can reassure you that's not the case, okay? So I also then through this identified my intolerance to dairy and I started eating a way that made me less bloated and less uncomfortable when I did eat. 
So, so often clients come into coaching or working with me so focused on what they can't eat, right? And we start to spiral and feel very intimidated and discouraged and frustrated that we can't eat anything. And I have absolutely been there, right? You go through that mindset of, well, I can't eat anything because nothing makes me feel good. So I might as well just not eat anything at all. And although yes, maybe not eating anything at all will help with the digestive stress that your body has, but your stress response is going to be greatly impacted, your sleep quality, your energy levels, your mood, right? If you've ever been around me when I'm hungry, I get hangry and I'm not very fun to be around. Well, what if that was me every single day? I probably would have nobody that wants to spend time with me because I would have been so focused on not being able to eat anything that I just didn't eat. And in return, nobody really wanted to spend time with me right? That is very easily what could have happened. But rather, I learned that there was so much freedom that comes from focusing on what you can eat. Okay, so one way I do this in coaching is if I have a client that's really struggling with an intolerance and knowing that there's just a bunch of foods that their body doesn't react well to, we create a list. So on that list, you put out foods that don't make you feel good. But then on another list, you put down foods that do make you feel really good and that you aren't intolerant to and that you can eat, right? Because we're focusing on what you can. We're not focusing on what you can't because there's way more foods I guarantee that you can eat than you can't. It's just a matter of finding out what those foods are. So an example for me with this is Reese's peanut butter cups. I love them. Anything with chocolate and peanut butter, I love So I found a way to make them dairy-free and honestly at a higher quality so they actually made me feel good versus making me feel miserable afterwards. And this is a recipe I'm actually going to be posting this week on my Instagram at Nourish with Bailey if you want to follow along with my life outside of the podcast. That recipe will be posted, I'm guessing, on Thursday. Um, And you'll be able to check that out because it's so easy and it's something that again, it's high quality. Your body is not going to react to the hundreds, I shouldn't say hundreds, the 20 plus ingredients in a Reese's peanut butter cup. You're making one from scratch with what, like seven ingredients? Like that's a pretty significant difference and your body doesn't have to sort through all the crap. It can just digest and replenish your body with the ingredients that are high quality. Another recipe is, um, or another instance, I guess, when maybe I was felt defeated by not being able to eat something was when it came to like those gourmet breads. You go to a bakery and they've got an olive and rosemary, garlic, butter, sourdough loaf, whatever. I love bread. And so that was something where it felt discouraging because you go to a bakery and you know that they used ingredients that you probably won't digest very well or butter or something. And so I learned to make sourdough and I know sourdough can seem overwhelming. So for you, if that's just learning how to make a regular yeast bread, get a bread machine. If you don't have one, they're not super expensive. They make it very, very easy. And that was actually the first step I took before I actually started with sourdough. But Besides that, I also started working with Devosh, which is a date company, like Medjool Dates. They also do date sugar, date syrups. And I'm making a recipe this week that you'll see on Friday of a caramelized date sourdough loaf. And you can definitely modify this to not be sourdough and just regular bread. 
but it's like how fun is it to experiment then and try different flavors together and see how they taste and so this is one I'm very excited to make because again really gourmet bread maybe it has a high like if you're gluten-free okay we'll have or gluten intolerant how could you make that bread then gluten-free but still make like that gourmet delicious loaf for me again it's the dairy so how can I make it without butter and cream and still make a really good bread focus on what you can eat and if there's something you can't eat experiment and see how you can get creative with the recipe to make it at home so again example Reese's peanut butter cup is it going to take you maybe 30 minutes to make it at home rather than just going to the store and buying it? Yes, but view it as an opportunity for you to get creative and actually enjoy your time making something. I think when we view food as something that replenishes and nourishes our body versus being something we just do because we need to eat or we'll whittle away, it becomes way more enjoyable to make a meal that is really health-sustaining than just grab something easy and convenient right? Have curiosity around these foods. If there's something that's convenient that you can't have because of one ingredient, figure out how you can make that at home. And I think you're going to have a lot of fun with that. I know maybe at first it's not going to feel very fun, but I encourage you find one recipe each week to make an adjustment to so you can have it. And you know, just enjoy that time in the kitchen. Maybe put on some music or do it with a friend or make it an experience. It doesn't need to be something that stresses you out, but just make it make it something that's enjoyable and it allows you to really take care of your body in a way. Um, the next one is trying new recipes. I'm very guilty of this, but so often I'll see a recipe and I'll like it on Instagram or I'll save it on Instagram and then it like poof, it like goes away. I can't find it again. I can't remember what account posted it. And then I'm like frustrated because I wanted to make that recipe and now I can't. So this is what I am going to start implementing and I would encourage you to do as well is pin, like if you're on Pinterest or save things. So like on, for example, on Pinterest, pin, save the pin underneath a category that is specific. So meal, like full meal recipes, main dishes, whatever that is, dessert, drinks, and then save that recipe under what would fit in that category. That way, when you go to maybe meal plan for the week or just you need inspiration, you can just go to that collection, click on it, and you have 20 plus main meals that you could make that day. Another thing, like if you're on Instagram, is you can actually save posts to your collection. And so if you go like on the right side and you press that little save button, it'll have like a list of collections, make collections, and again, label them, dessert, snack, main meal, soup. Again, so you can easily find them. If you don't really like to use technology, then screenshot something on your computer or on your phone upload it into a folder on your computer that is again specifically labeled so you can come back to it. Another recommendation I have for trying new recipes is to get a new cookbook. I would say like honestly once a year maybe get a new cookbook. It doesn't need to be something that costs you a lot of money. This year I purchased the Pro Metabolic Cookbook by Christine. I can link it down below. You can purchase it on Etsy. And I wanted this cookbook specifically because I knew that 
Christine values high quality food and dishes and meals. And also they were funky. Like they were recipes I wouldn't have typically made, but there's like this Thai bowl and I make it once a week now. I've now don't even need the recipe because I just dump it all. It's kind of like a tikka masala, kind of an Indian food dish, but there's cilantro and garlic. It's delicious. And so it's like, okay, slowly add one new recipe into your rotation once a week. I feel like we're all such creatures of habit that if you find one recipe each week and you gradually introduce it into your meal plan, eventually you're going to have almost every single day of the week covered with a new recipe or not even a new recipe, but an old recipe that was at one time new because you transitioned it into your routine. We are definitely that way. We've got certain days of the week. We know like most weeks we're probably making that um, like a tikka masala Indian type dish. We're doing hamburgers. We're probably going to do a soup of some kind. Um, what else do we do often? I, I couldn't even tell you. But you know, like there are some meals when you sit down to meal plan, you're like, oh yeah, we had that last week. Oh, sourdough pizza. That would be another one. It always slides its way into our rotation because... We've just have started making new recipes and they've stuck. And so we know we can always go back to those. Um, If you have no motivation to cook. So let's talk about that because I know that's very valid. And especially if you're cooking for one, I know this motivation can be hard to find. But I think it's kind of when we transition it from it's not finding the motivation, it's having the discipline to make it happen. That is when, again, that mindset kind of shifts and it's like, I'm disciplined to make a good meal for myself because I know I'm going to feel so much better, not only after I eat the meal, but when I wake up in the morning, okay? And probably for the whole next day. If you are one person cooking for one, make a recipe once and eat it twice. You can also do this if you have a spouse or even if you have a family, you're just going to have to then like double everything you're doing. But if you're not somebody who hates leftovers, this works really well because it doesn't come to lunch the next day or even supper the next evening. And you're like, well, heck, what am I going to make? Again, I have to find that discipline to make a good recipe. Whereas if you would just eat the same thing for two nights in a row and then make a new recipe the next day, I think it would be a routine that you'd find was a lot easier than having to come up with a new idea seven days a week. Okay. If you also have like a, think of like for breakfast, if there's something that's always kind of your go-to. For a long time for me, it was overnight oats. Now it is doing like a banana split yogurt bowl. Um, You know, toast with yogurt and then fruit and nut butter and honey and cinnamon. Like those are all kind of my go-tos. So I just always make sure that my fridge is stocked to make those recipes that's a huge piece of this is having the ingredients. I have one client I've been working with where we created a grocery list and it's very simple, but it is something where she will always have her home stocked with those ingredients because she knows if she has all of these ingredients in her house, she can make X amount of meals with those ingredients, right? You can mix and match different foods together to make however many different meals. So that's something I've really been working with her on is Let's have a grocery list that stays the same week to week. If you're fine with eating the same thing, which this client is, 
then let's just stay consistent and let's just make sure you always have those foods accessible so you can then make something with them. Okay, so having the ingredients is important, but if you can prep anything, I always encourage you to do that. One thing for us is meat. So if I can ground hamburger that I know we're going to use on our pizza one night and I do double the amount of hamburger, I know then for the next night I can make something with hamburger and it's already ground up and cooked. So it's going to take no time to make a recipe. Another example, again, bringing out that crock pot. I have a pork tenderloin in the freezer. I take it out the next or the night before that next morning I put it in the crock pot. I know by lunchtime I can make barbecue pork tenderloin sandwiches. By supper I can use it in a different dish. Like preparing those proteins is a huge one. Back to breakfast, overnight oats is one. You can make yogurt bowls the night before, especially if you're someone that like finds yourself running out the door. Find ways that you can make one minor adjustment each week. So maybe this next week for you that's cooking all of your protein for two nights in one night. So again, browning two packages of hamburger instead of one because you know, well, tonight you're having spaghetti with broccoli and garlic bread. And then you know the next night you're going to do tacos with guac and homemade sourdough tortillas, whatever that is. Like you can utilize the same protein for two meals and they can look completely different. So that is a tip that I really, really love. I also want you to, again, coming back to that motivation to cook, question why you hate to cook, right? When people say, oh, I just hate to cook. Why? You know, what, what is, where is that stemming from? Who told you, you know, down the road or in the past that you were a horrible cook and that your food tasted terrible? Like, was it something negative that happened or did you not grow up with a parent that taught you how to cook? Or did you always have a family or did you have a family that would always go out to eat and you never made a meal at home? Like, what is it in you that has determined that you hate to cook? And then question, is it because I'm stubborn that I hate to cook? Or is it because I truly hate being in the kitchen? And here is a past historical example of why. Like, question it. Because our limiting beliefs come out a lot, especially when it comes to cooking And if you're cooking for one, I think this is especially prevalent of like, well, I hate to cook. Well, do you hate to cook because you're cooking for one person? Or do you do you hate to cook because you really just in the past have been told you're awful at cooking and that you should never do it? Because if it's you're cooking for one, then let's question, well, what can I do to make cooking enjoyable? Can I turn on some Christmas music? Can I light some candles? Can I dim the lights? Can I spend five minutes on Pinterest, looking up inspiration recipes and pick one of them to make for supper tonight. Like make it a date with yourself or invite somebody over to cook with you. I just really, really challenge you to identify why you hate to cook and push past the maybe stubbornness that you have with being in the kitchen and see how you can do it in a way that brings joy to your life because I think you're going to notice that it really, really does if you just allow yourself to enjoy the process of it, okay? So kind of wrapping this all up with why or how I became so passionate about this. I mean, I have talked now for almost 44 minutes, and I know in the beginning I was really, really on you about my passion for 
increasing your health span, not your lifespan, and just all the things around food that I just really, really love to talk about and love to motivate people to do. I really think all of that passion came from understanding that you can make food at home that tastes way better than anything you can get from a restaurant, spend significantly less money, and when you question why you're buying so many things from the store, you start to get curious about what you can make from home. And I think that last piece is really what was a motivator for me. I didn't grow up really going out to eat with my family. I knew when I got married, I was really going through, when Nate and I got married, I was kind of coming off of a very, very unhealthy relationship with food, tracking my calories for almost two years, refusing to go out to eat, breaking down if I didn't have control over my food. Like I was kind of coming off of that. And so going into being married, Nate just kind of knew like, okay, Bailey doesn't like to go out to eat. Like let's make more food at home and let's try to meal plan. And he's been really good about adjusting based on how I'm doing with my relationship with food. And he's very, very good and very stable for me to kind of lean on, you know, in those moments where maybe my relationship with food isn't as strong. But that was when I started to really make things from scratch. And I was like, why am I buying all of this crap from the store? And the ingredients are terrible. It doesn't make me feel that good. And I know it's hard because there's this, there's this time frame. You think like before the 80s. I think that's kind of when things went to turd. But before the 80s, the food that you had, you really had to make it from scratch because there wasn't really an option to buy it from the store. And if you were buying it from the store, the food was probably pretty decent quality, right? Because we didn't have all these large companies, but basically like four to seven companies that made all the food you consume. There were much more like ma and pa, I guess is how you would refer to it, companies that cared about the quality of their ingredients and they were made in small batches, not mass produced. And they were more focused on making a quality product than making a lot of money okay the 80s kind of hit that's when you started noticing all the seed oils and the high fructose corn syrup instead of sugar entering your food because they could get it really really cheap canola oil they could process it in a mass production and at a really really low quality using methods like bleaching to same with flour bleaching your flour to make it super white bleaching your canola oil to make it not some thick, gooey, brown substance, but making it a clear substance that is like the most perfect caramel looking color. Like that's, that's not normal. That is not what it looks like in the factory. Again, um, kind of coming back to that process though, is we've reached a point where now we are so used to convenience, right? Even like those older generations that used to make things from scratch, they go to the grocery store and it's like all of these things I would have had to make from scratch are easily accessible and I can buy them for $2 at the grocery store. Why would I go to the effort of making it from scratch anymore? But I'm starting to see this phase of people getting back into making things from scratch because we're realizing that our food system does not care about our health. Okay, that's kind of a bold statement, but I don't think most of them do. And I say that because I, again, have noticed in clients that I have, when we are able to strip back the highly processed foods and enter more whole foods into their diet, or they really, I have one client and it 
makes me so happy. She's so into sourdough and making things from scratch and almost to the point where I was like, it's okay to buy some things from the grocery store. Like, let me send you some brands that I like, know, and trust. So life can feel a little bit easier. But like, she's really dived into sourdough and everything around it. It makes me so happy to see that because they, as a result, feel light years better people. Like, I don't say this just to, again, get on my soapbox and preach about it. I really say this because the difference is there. And so I love to see people get back into making things from scratch. Doesn't need to be everything you make. But like I had said before, get curious about what you're eating. Get creative around the recipes you can make from scratch. A Reese's peanut butter cup, like why in the heck would I make that from scratch if I can go buy it from the store? Well, the reason I would make it myself is because I can't have dairy and I'm not going to suffer the consequences of having dairy the next day. Um, the quality of the food in a Reese's peanut butter cup is very, very low because they mass produce it. So why wouldn't I make it from home with high quality ingredients, right? Some of those things you can't get so granular and think I need to make everything from scratch, but question the food you're consuming. And I think that alone should kind of like jumpstart something in you to want to make more food from scratch. You're honestly going to realize it tastes so much better. I... I have my friend Emily, she was on the podcast to talk about sourdough and gardening and all of that. But we talk, we talked all the time when we were working together and saw each other almost every day about how we don't like to go out to eat, not because of really even the quality of food, right? Every once in a while, but like when we go out to eat for a special occasion, it's not even so much of a treat anymore because the food isn't really that good. And I don't know if that is like a problems since COVID and more less people are were working or businesses had to cut costs, whatever the case was, like I understand that there are some technical things that go into why your food maybe doesn't taste as good. But making things from scratch, you also learn they just taste better than when you go out to eat. And I think that's a big reason why we don't really go out to eat. It's it's not so much of like a I fear the ingredients in food when I go out to eat because I really am a big advocate for balance, right? Trying to do the best you can 80 to 90% of the time, but not letting you get to a point where it becomes obsessive and you need control over everything you eat, but finding that healthy in-between where like you can still enjoy a meal out to eat. But really when it starts tasting better at home and you notice you save a lot of money, it's kind of worth it. So I wanted to share the list of things that I kind of roughly came up with that I make from scratch. Again, this has been like the last two years I've really gotten into this. This doesn't mean you have to make all of these things from scratch, but if you're lacking inspiration, I really think my Instagram has or does a pretty good job of having recipes that they taste good, they're pretty easy, they're pretty realistic, nothing gourmet or out of the ordinary that you need to go buy. I would say it's most ingredients you can get at any grocery store and just get creative. So I make pickles, breads, bagels, bagels, gosh, I pronounce that wrong every single time. I know I do, but I say bagels, not bagels. Pizza crust, vegetable broth, chicken bone broth, jams or jellies, overnight oats. I mean, honestly, the list could go on. I do all my soups from scratch cinnamon rolls like this oh coffee syrups is another one pumpkin spice coffee syrup um i'm not saying this to brag about how many things i make from scratch this is not 
that's not what I'm intending to do with this. It's just to tell you like all of those things that you think maybe only come from a grocery store don't need to actually only come from the grocery store. When I learned I could make chocolate pudding at home and didn't need a pudding packet from the store, it was like, oh my gosh, that's groundbreaking. It's way easier to make it at home. It takes me 13 minutes to make, that is very specific, but it really takes me like 13 minutes to make chocolate pudding. And I didn't have to go buy anything from the store. I had everything I needed from, you know, at home in my pantry, which is a huge difference than feeling like, oh, I have to get that specific ingredient from the store before I can make it. Another one, salad dressings. Oh my gosh, you can make any single salad dressing, probably that's on the shelf at the grocery store from scratch. And again, you have then the power to use a better ingredient than they made in that product. It's things like that where I just really want you to get creative with it because it's so much fun once you do. And you might think, okay, she's a little kooky. There's no way in heck I'm going to start making all these things from scratch. That's totally cool. But find one thing, one adjustment you can make. I'm very, very big on small changes gradually. Find one adjustment that you can make this week to improve either the quality of your food or to try something new or out of your comfort zone and have fun with it because it truly can be so enjoyable. All right, with that, let's just take a nice deep breath together in through the nose, out through the mouth. Okay, this does not need to be overwhelming, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. You gained something from it. You felt a little fire under your fanny to make more things at home or just view being in the kitchen in a different light. Make it an experience. I can't encourage that enough. Candlelight, music, get yourself a new recipe guide. Like do things for yourself that are going to make this a fun time. And I'm so excited to see what you create and uh, just share it with me. Like if you make something and you're like, okay, yes, I'm motivated now after listening to this and you make something like send it to me because I want to celebrate you taking a step to make something out of your comfort zone because that is truly what I hope this podcast does is just encourages and inspires and I love to see the result of that. So with that, let's go ahead and close this episode in prayer. So dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the changing seasons and that we're entering a time where maybe we're inside a little bit more, but that we truly just enjoy the warmth of our house and of being in the kitchen and that we just don't lose sight of why we want to nourish our body. I ask that if anybody has a difficult relationship with food in this season that they find comfort in somebody around them to open up to about it or that they just really dive into maybe the limiting beliefs or the um, just stress that might be coming on them when they think about food and that they feel encouraged and inspired along the way to make small but really impactful changes to both maybe improve their relationship with food but also improve how they feel. Lord, I just always thank you so much for whoever's listening to this podcast and that they just leave feeling like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders, that they feel supported, and that they just know that you are there to talk them to talk to them and be there for them throughout every season of life that they find themselves in and that they just feel supported by me. 
Um, thank you for the opportunity to just talk so openly. And I just pray that everyone stays healthy and safe this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Again, if you want to follow along with my life outside of the podcast, you can find me at Nourish with Bailey on Instagram, TikTok, Lemonade, and Bailey Seaton on Facebook. I look forward to connecting with you on there, and I'll talk to you again next Wednesday. Bye. You know what I hate? Being bloated, but having no idea why that's happening. That was me for years in alignment with also living with chronic low back pain, and I was so fed up with it that I finally took my health into my own hands and really started evaluating my diet and how I was moving my body to not only heal the chronic inflammation that was coming from my low back pain, but heal my bloating. If you're listening and you're like, yep, that's me, I'm always bloated, I always feel uncomfortable, I have a solution for you. I have created a one-on-one coaching program that is focused primarily on helping you decrease the overall inflammation in your body through examining various foods and how they affect your body, intolerances that you might have, as well as incorporating the anti-inflammatory diet, which is really just adding in more whole foods to reduce any signs of inflammation and stress that you have in your body. So inflammation can show up in seven different areas. So bloating and chronic pain is not just the case. This could also be brain fog, fatigue, swelling, acne, water retention, poor quality of sleep, low energy, constipation, diarrhea. I mean, there's a long list. Don't get me wrong. So I'm sharing this with you today because I have some really exciting news happening around this program. Right now, it is a 16-week program, which is about four months. And I'm going to make it into a six-month program, which means there are eight extra modules and weeks for us to work one-on-one together which I just think is going to provide even more value and really make these habits very long lasting. I've already worked with many, many women throughout this program with it being 16 weeks and they've seen incredible results, but I just want to add a couple more months together. And why I'm telling that to you is because I'm actually offering those next two months for free. So if you sign up for one-on-one coaching before December 23rd, you actually get the last two months free. So you're only paying for four months of coaching, but we're spending six months together. I really have such a passion for making quality care accessible to most. This is something that I wish I would have had while I was going through my three to four year process of trying to figure out what was going on in my own body. But we can do that together in four months or now in six months. I know there are so many expenses that come up during the holiday season, which is why I want to offer this to you, as well as let you know that I have payment plans for whatever situation you might find yourself in. Just know that I want to work with you to make this possible. I will have the link below in the show notes for both the application, but also the website link to learn more about what is offered in this program. And then we can talk so you can learn more about what's going to be included in those bonus two months that we would have together. If you are currently a client, don't worry, you also get this deal. 
but I wanted to offer this to anybody who's been on the fence about coaching. This is probably the time for you to consider committing and I would love to just open up that conversation with you. I look forward to talking to you soon and helping you not only decrease your bloating, but all of the other symptoms or signs that you're experiencing and let's focus on healing together.